We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. KC Laboratory, sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's another live edition of the KC Laboratory, presented by Emprise Bank. Look, nobody loves to bank; they love what banking can help them achieve. Emprise Bank is looking to say yes to those with a dream, whether it's saving for your first home, a new car, starting a family, starting a business. Emprise is your partner in possible, our partner in possible here at KC Sports Network, KCSN Draft Guide. Absolutely wonderful to work with. If you are looking uh, for any banking needs whatsoever, make them your first call. Uh, if I were in a situation and I uh, I needed some help, one of my first calls uh, would be Maddie underscore KCSN. Matthew Lane, it wouldn't be well. It wouldn't be great because you're in Carolina, but I'd, I'd, I'd still call you. What kind of trouble are you in that you think that I should be your first call? I would like the list. I, the it's list like, of issues <laughs> okay. that you would need to call me as one of the first people. I'm All right. For this. It's uh, what what do I order at Giovanni's? Correct. I got you. Um, I'm in a fight actually, with a can, duck. I, I, hold, on, hold on. Let me back this up. Hey, you should call me anytime you're ordering food anywhere because I can greatly help you. How much does this offensive lineman weigh? Okay, probably. Um. That might be it. <laughs> well, I'm glad that it's issues that you're going to run into early and often. Now, a guy that everybody should call if they get into any issue at any of any level, Craig Stout's here with us, the mustache, still looking great, buddy. I'm glad you're keeping it right now. How was camp? You were at camp this past couple, uh, oh, this weekend. How was it? It was glorious. It was great to watch live football, live Chiefs football again. We got to see a whole bunch of these rookies. I got ridiculously excited about way too many players that are certainly not going to live up to the lofty expectations that I placed in my head now. But hey, that's what camp is for, right? That 32 teams are winning the Super Bowl right now based off of camp performances. So I've seen Kyle team? Hamilton's clips. They're not winning okay. the Super Bowl. Okay. 31 <laughs> teams are winning the Super Bowl based off of that. No, the Chiefs look good, right? Kent, you got to join me out there. I it, I did. It was absolutely wonderful to get out there uh, to see some of y'all out there. Uh, we got to hang out. Me, Craig, uh, Tucker, uh, the worst kept secret on the internet, uh, Chief Bearcat. Unfortunately, Matt didn't didn't get to hang out. I'm not rubbing it in. Uh, you can take it as that if you'd like, though. Um, it was fun. It was a really it was a really good it was a really good day and you got like, some observations. But like I mean, obviously pads aren't on, so like there's only so much you can make. Um, I'm all in on Sky Moore. I'm, we might wind up talking about him in a little bit. We'll see. Um, I think off the top of the show, though, because, I mean, news has happened since the last time we talked, and 
It was news that we broke down on Monday, so we're not going to spend a ton of time of it. And also, news we speculated about on Wednesday. Uh, <laughs> so we'll, we'll start. Wait, with wait, wait. What are we covering today that's going to immediately happen then? Oh, um, <laughs> Ted. I almost no, wanted to no. talk about Tevin <laughs> Jenkins. Mm. So, nah, not ah. yet. Not yet. Let's start with Orlando Brown, though. Orlando Brown is reporting to camp. Uh, first week of August. I think Craig pegged it exactly. I think he said August 1 when we were talking about some of this stuff. And there's no surprise. Craig is great. Um, but Orlando Brown reporting. Uh, does it make you feel good, Dad? Are you still annoyed? Natty, anything? What are your, what are your feelings? I, I think Craig probably nailed it too. But um, I also said the first day of pads he'd be here. Now he didn't get a practice in the first day of pads. But I think this was always like, this seemed like a good time for Orlando Brown to come back. I think I said it last week on 21 questions with Tucker. The fact that Roderick Johnson was getting all of the first team left tackle reps made me feel a lot more comfortable that the Chiefs knew Orlando Brown Jr. was coming back early. There was no rotation. There was no feeling out what they're going to do if OBJ doesn't come back. It was done entirely under the precedent that, oh, we know who's going to be here. We'll keep the second unit the same. We'll keep the other four guys the same. Now, I'm interested to see, does Roderick Johnson go to second team left tackle immediately? Or is he not the second team left tackle? Like how much did they really try to go about this? But I always thought this was quite likely. And up until now, yeah. Was I annoyed that he wasn't there? Sure. As soon as he, I hear these come, like, okay, no longer annoyed at all. Because this is when it matters. As long as you're here by the time pads come on, like who cares about being upset anymore? He's, he's going to play in the preseason too. So it's not like he's even really going to miss any of those, you know, more live reps because, you know, obviously even with pads on, they're not fully live. There's only going to be a couple of team periods where they will be fully live there. So he's not realistically missing a whole lot there. I think, it, I think I actually turned to Kent uh, on Saturday when we saw that Roderick Johnson had switched to right tackle. And Andrew Wiley had switched to left tackle. They did some swapping of tackles, just trying to get a look at guys in different positions. Darian Kennard swapped with the second team to play left tackle as well. But when they did some swapping, I think I turned to Kent and I said, he's showing up. Like, it, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's any minute now he's showing up. They're trying to figure out who the swing tackle is going to be. They're trying to figure out who that depth is going to be, giving those guys those opportunities, knowing full and well that Orlando Brown Jr. is going to play all season long, he's going to be the chief starting left tackle, health permitting. So, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it's dead and buried. We can talk about contract and level of play and stuff like that as the offseason gets here next year. He's a chief. He's going to be protecting Patrick Mahomes' blind side all year. I'm just – I'm glad it was resolved quickly. Um, I'm glad he's showing up for – and to your point, yeah, the practices that matter the most. Yeah. Uh, I was trying to do some research. I was a little hazy on like the acclimation period for him. I don't think he's required to adhere to the traditional nope. acclimation period, mm -mm. but it looked like up to August 2nd players reporting up to August 2nd, which is what I was very interested. I, I I'm sure if he's out there in pads, it's fine. If not, like that might be part of, you know, some of the, some of all this we'll, we'll, we'll have to find out. We'll have to kind of, we'll, we'll all find out probably eight fifteen tomorrow. What's going on with whether or not he's allowed to be in pads right off the bat or not. But Looking forward to uh, to getting to see him out there in camp. And yeah, it helps resolve, you know, it helps resolve that and allows the rest of the offensive line to start focusing on their roles. Like that's so crucial. I think, you know, you can you can really focus on selling the right tackle position now. And yes, you can kind of look at that swing tackle a little bit as well. So like that's a very valuable thing that him being here helps, uh, helps in a, in a big way. So uh, excited he's here, excited he got resolved quickly. And there's your Orlando Brown news, which probably okay, no, no, for no. the last time. You, oh, camp, no. you camp goers, who was the most impressive offensive tackle that you saw while you were there for the Chiefs? I think um, it was Andrew Wiley. I think it was Andrew Wiley. I think he was the most consistent. I, I thought Darian Kennard looked pretty good at right tackle. Uh, Roderick Johnson in the run game was fine. Like getting out in front of screens and stuff like that, he was just fine. It, it's just he was really late getting out of his stance at left tackle. I, you know, and then obviously Lucas Niang, Prince Tiguanogo are on the side. They're not able to practice. So like it, there's only so much there. I think Andrew Wiley just kind of by default, just by being the most consistent guy showing up, just kind of performing at the level that we know he's going to kind of was the most impressive of the offensive tackles. 
That was tricky just because like they were in pads too. I thought I thought mm -hmm. Roderick actually showed like I, I kind of with Craig on Roderick a little bit. There are some good moments in in there. Probably Wiley on the pad looking at the pads today. I mean George, King Carl, George Karloftis. Uh he he was having he was having some fun with uh with Andrew Wiley there a little bit. So uh, uh, the great Eddie High. Follow him on Twitter at Eddie High. Doing some wonderful work at, at KC Sports Network. Uh, he uh, has been there every single day of camp, like the madman he is. And uh, he says Andrew Wiley. So we're gonna go with. That. Oh, and we also got, we got a note from a producer behind the scenes, Tuck, who says not. Right now. <laughs> I think I, I'm gonna peel back the curtain because I wasn't there. I don't get to see every ref. I just see clips. From what I've seen on clips, not even based around Roderick Johnson, he's looked pretty rough out there. Um. Andrew Wiley makes the most sense, I think. Not there, but Andrew Wiley and what we've seen has looked the most consistent. I like what I've seen out of Darian Kennard, though. Like I said early on, you give me the first weekend of camp. Now, the pads haven't come on yet, so can't mm -hmm. make the decision yet. But after a couple more days, if it continues the same of what we've seen, I think safely Andrew Wiley is your starting right tackle. I would then go out on a limb and say that Darian Kennard is safely your swing offensive tackle. Based on what I've seen, if the Chiefs uh, continue down the – if the Chiefs continue down the we play our best guys yeah. – I don't think it's even a contest. Here's the problem with with Darian Kennard. I think he is firmly a RT only right now. I it's think okay. He can tackle. play a position. The the swing, yeah, I don't see him course. as a, I don't see him as a swing tackle right now. Is all I'm saying. Well, and I it was, and I may be looking at this as a you know they look at Andrew Wiley as a guy who can maybe kick over to left tackle or kick over to left guard with Joe Tooney kicking out. Just trying to think of all the different permutations yeah. there. Darian Kennard will be essentially that sixth offensive line that kind of can slot in and then they'll move guys around as they need to. So it's not necessarily that he's going to be your, your left tackle necessarily, but he'll be the guy that can kind of come in there and just be, you know, right tackle. And it may right. improve. It was the movement skills. It was his, it was his footwork yeah. at left tackle that and were I was just, just struggling to talent. Yeah, I just yeah. alluded to talent. He's very Correct. clearly their third best offensive tackle, removing the position. I think he was just mm -hmm. fairly clearly should be the sixth guy there. So, like, that's just – and I think the Chiefs are usually pretty consistent with going just raw, the most talented for the offensive line position. That was mm -hmm. all. Roger Johnson's making the team. I think so, too. I think he's shown enough versatility. Of all the guys, like, I think he's shown the most versatility. Uh, at this point, I think personally, just because I think he's shown at left better than Wiley and that's more valuable than anything, <laughs> you know, that's a very valuable trait to have, but he's capable on the right. He's played on both sides of the line uh, in his NFL career. Carlos Dunlap's the chief guys. It happened uh, signed with the chiefs uh, sh like hours after the show um, <laughs> on, on Wednesday night. Uh, Carlos Dunlap, the chief. How happy are you, Matthew? Uh, I got to talk about this a little bit on 21 questions. So, you know, I, I'll be pretty short. I, great signing gives the chiefs a lot of flexibility with their defensive end room. I think you will see Mike Dana's snaps decrease the most out of everybody. Not that Frank Clark or Carl office might not lose some snaps with this, but Dana snaps, you'll probably see decrease the most, especially because the overlap of Dana being a run stopper and Dunlap being a run stopper are going to very much butt heads. So it's a good move. Like, I think he's going to be able to teach a lot. His and George Karloff, this play style actually mirror each other relatively well. There's like a giant difference in their length, but the way they play is very similar. So I think it's a good move, not only for the Chiefs, but also for the development of Karloff. It's like, I'll let you guys go on this because I got to talk about Dunlap, the Chiefs already a little bit. I mean, we we covered it a little bit on Wednesday. I mean, this wasn't, you, you feel certainly a lot better about the Chiefs defensive end room. Like the floor is raised. the The floor is really, really raised in that moment, and which the is ceiling. good. You know, and the ceiling, and the ceiling too. But I think that that's what everybody's looking at. It's, oh, these guys all hit everything. But even on the worst case scenario, like the floor, way raised. The, like this group is improved over last year. It just is. Like quite simply, you know, you had Chris Jones playing at defensive end to start the year. You had Frank Clark, who was nursing some issues, and he admitted that he and Andy sat and talked and said, look, that's not the player that you are in his pressers this weekend. You had Mike Dana cycling in. You had Alex Okafor. Then towards the end of the year, you had a little bit of Melvin Ingram. Like, this group with Karloftis, Clark, who looks slim and looks a lot better. We might talk about him here in a little bit, too. And then you've also got Dana 
and Carlos Dunlap is a much better foursome and a much more relentless foursome. Like that group is going to go and it's going to go pretty hard all game long. And you're going to be able to just kind of throw waves at these guys, waves of power, waves of, you know, just basically hands. <laughs> these guys are going to throw hands all game long, every single one of them. So like you're going to see some beat up offensive tackles late in games. We'll see if it actually translates to more sacks, more pressures, anything like that as we go along here. But I certainly feel a lot more comfortable with the defensive end room as a hold just by adding that veteran presence, that guy that knows how to get to the quarterback. I'm sure the defensive end position will be addressed even more in this game that we're about to play. Uh, Ooh, it's a, a game. It's a I think I games loose. Oh, segment. Stand down, young Regis. Uh, oh, well, I mean, you didn't come up with no, the game. You so chased like, him off, Kent. Chased uh, him off. You wonder why you lose every time. <laughs> we uh, <laughs> we're gonna do a segment game thing. Uh, it's Craig's wonderful idea. So, Craig, why don't you go ahead and explain? Yeah, you know, since we we're out of camp, we got some videos with the great Eddie High here has been really kind of keeping us flush with that stuff. Tucker's been helping him out with videos as well. So I, I think we've seen enough things here to make some just quick observations here. And I kind of want to go down here. I want as each, you know, either on the offensive or defensive side of the ball to list a player that is meeting the expectations we had going into camp, a player that's exceeding them, a player that needs to show more going forward. And then I want to end with a player that's gotten themselves off the bubble because there's several guys that I don't think that people are talking about enough that have really gotten themselves off the bubble. So we're going to start with a player that is meeting expectations right now. And I'm going to start here with George Karloftis. Um, I think this is pretty much exactly what I expected of him. I knew he was going to come in. I knew he was going to work his ass off. I knew he was going to be a sponge with the veteran guys to try and learn as much as possible from, you know, Frank Clark, Mike Dana, try and learn as much from Joe Cullen as possible. And the energy that he just brings to the practice, even without pads, just the, the hustle, the way that he moves, the way that he's trying, you know, to get everything out of every single drill is exactly the kind of player that I think we all expected him to be. Now, he may look a little more fluid, and so maybe there's a little bit of exceeding expectations there, but from his work rate, from his relentlessness, and from the way that he's approaching everything, especially today when the pads came on, he was just giving these tackles everything they could handle for the entire practice. Like That's what I expected of him. I expected him to be a guy that was just going to show that in practice. Now we'll see. Once we get to the games, we're going to see a lot in the preseason of him. I think he's going to get plenty of reps, but I think that he has definitely met the expectations almost spot on for what I expected of him as a, as a worker at defensive end. Two things. Uh, shout out Alan DeJong for uh, watching in Australia right now. Nice. Uh, shout out to you. It's always fun uh, catching up and seeing some of the uh, international people out there. Shout out to all y'all. Uh, secondly, thank you to everyone watching, listening right now. If you like the show, if you like the content, Hit the subscribe button on uh, on the on wherever you're listening, consuming. Leave a comment if you'd like. That's always encouraged as well. Uh, we're going to be hanging out here for a little while. So uh, hit the like, hit the subscribe button, uh, leave a comment, all that good kind of stuff. The guy that is meeting my expectations right now is Trent McDuffie. Uh, I've been very interested to kind of see him and, and, and really got good eyes on him while we were uh, at camp this weekend. And Obviously, without the pads, it's a good situation to kind of see a lot of the coverage guys a little bit. Who, of course, you already know I'm. I'm just paying attention to the coverage guys anyway. Like, let's just let's just be honest. It's all about the passing game to me. It's a passing league. Um, but you know, I don't know if like Trent McDuffie's just completely you know eviscerating this camp. But he has been a starter for the entirety of this training camp, and he's played well. He's played capable. He's not looked too big for the moment. Um, and you know, there's obviously some little things here. We've been talking about this a little bit behind the scenes. Marquez Valdez Scantling is getting targeted about every single time that Trent McDuffie is on the field. And I think they're really challenging, testing Trent McDuffie. One of the big obstacles, one of the big things that they're working through with him as he's growing is, is dealing with the kind of length that he's going to see at the next level. And Marquez Valdez Scantling, I'm sorry, Marquez 
Valdez Scantling. I apologize. Get ready to, to say something. Yeah, I, I was going to. Oh, you, you were going to get. You were going to say something about Listen, a name. My man came out and said it, so now it's in him. It's in here. Oh, has he? I missed it. If he, I, I missed it. If he said it, I've known Craig for five years. He called me Keent this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyways, Trent McDuffie, like I, I, I very much enjoyed watching him play to this point. I think he's really focusing. Like I, one of the things I saw in one of the clips today, and two things: it was it was it was coverage on one of the plays from uh, against Marquez Valdez Scantling. But Trent McDuffie was being extremely intentional about getting the ball out. You know, like he's really, I think he really understands. Like, and one of the things part of his growth process is how valuable playing through the hands, continuing to play through the whistle through the hands is going to be for him in his game because of the lack of length. Um, but you also saw Marquez, Marquez being very intentional about keeping the ball high, keeping the ball away. There was a lot of focus on in one of the plays that we saw. I think it was either yesterday or today. But I've been very pleased with what we've seen uh, of Trent McDuffie to this point. Uh, I think he's going to be a plug and play guy. Uh, it's not always going to be pretty, but I think there's, you know, I think the Chiefs are doing everything they can to ready him for that situation. I will say this before we move off of McDuffie that man is the leader in every drill, even with LJ there. Like he's the first guy out there and he's doing it spot on. So, like, it, it everything's clicking for him and the way that Spags wants him to play. He's going to be on the field. He's not coming off. He's a starter and he's on the boundary. So like there's going to be instances, but everything else is clicking for him. Yeah. I I mean, just specifically with McDuffie, like it's very clear that he's always going to have to be like a a ball denying corner at the NFL level. He just doesn't have the frame to be a guy that is going to withstand quarterbacks assigned to challenge him. So you're going to have some weeks where a, a Justin Herbert, for example, will just throw up some 50-50 balls and let his guy go make the play. There will be some rough weeks in that regard because that's just the kind of corner he's going to be. A guy might look covered, but his just lack of size means that certain receivers will always be have the potential to be open. And like that's fine. And I think you've seen that early on at camp. Even when he's in great position, a well-thrown pass and a wide receiver that knows how to use his size can still make the catch. So that's fine. And I I would agree, meeting expectations for both guys. I'll say Carl Loftus, though. We're we're looking a little bit more like freshman Carl Loftus out there when turning a little. Bit. I, I'm hey, not... we could let's get in there. We're, I think we have a segment here in a little bit. <laughs> oh, okay, you're coming back to him. Okay, you're double dipping on Carl Loftus. Okay, I don't know. On. We'll see. Okay, well, I, I I will leave it alone for now. Then I'll just say this. You know, there's more than once that he may have been called George Liquid Loftus in the uh, group DM because of the way he was moving so fluidly. Fluid. Um, my meeting expectations guy, Juju Smith Schuster, doing exactly. What I thought he would do. Not a lot of people did. Something <laughs> this podcast did. Not everyone did this exactly what I thought he would do. The the one thing, and I'm the only reason I'm not putting him for exceeding expectations is I have something else locked in for that spot. You're not you're not they, one to brag anyway, Matthew. Never have I done that. I just said when Orlando Brown Jr. would come to camp. Um, so Juju Smith Schuster, the clear wide receiver one for the Chiefs that I think was obvious from the get-go, as we all know. Um it, what's exceeded the expectations, it was kind of the trust that Mahomes seems to have. It's just training camp, so this is the time where you go out and try to figure things out. But you can see that Pat kind of trusts him. When you get these plays that are clearly breaking down, those balls that are thrown well before the wide receiver breaks just kind of into no man's land, they're to Kelsey or they're to Juju. That's where they're going. You're not throwing just random corner routes to other receivers right now. That's just not where the trust is. Juju seems to know where he's going and then just – some of the plays that he's made on the ball, like everyone's going to talk about how good Sky Moore's hands were coming out of college and how good and all these different guys catch the football. Some of these catches that Juju's made, the adjustments and the tracking that he's shown downfield, I get it that pads only came on the day, but he still made a great catch on the back shoulder today. He's catching everything. Just the way he's able to go up and attack the ball is as good as anyone that the Chiefs have had, you know, Sands Kelsey for a long time now with Patrick Mahomes. So it's just, he's kind of checked every box. And the big thing is he's doing a lot of it, it seems like, on the outside, on the boundary. I know one-on-one drills, you can't tell. He's moving around, but he's getting a lot of targets from the outside. That's good. Like, the fact that he's not going to have to play in the slot to get this trust, to get these looks, he's going to get to use his size and athleticism on the outside, I mean, that's two thumbs up. So, like, at this point, most people should probably have been exceeding expectations. This is exactly where I thought he would be. Not taking any, you know, laps, not bragging or anything like that. He's been... He's been phenomenal. I just have something else for exceeding expectations. No, no, you Maddie answered that. <laughs> 100%. Or, no, I didn't. 
Yes, you let's did. Go, let's go to exceeding expectations here. Kent, I, I started that last one. I'll let you start this one, and then we'll we'll let Maddie get his Maddie answer exceeding expectations off here. You kick Whoa. Like the uh, the sky is the limit for the guy that's exceeding expectations for me, and I genuinely hope this is where Matthew was wanting to go. But um, early early indications in, in, in what we've seen out of Sky Moore have been fantastic. I am just so, so excited to see him translating onto an NFL field because like a lot of the building blocks that we've discussed are showing up. You know, the things that got us excited about him uh, as potentially a, a, you know, I think we did the realistic, uh, try to be realistic and measured in one of our mock drafts and we went with Sky Moore in the first round. I, he looks wonderful so far. I think the route running... The releases have been outstanding. You know, what you've seen him get his get off the line of scrimmage, that stuff translates whether there's pads on or not. So that's been really encouraging to see. His ability to track the football, wildly impressive. The strong hands, as advertised. The consistency with his hands, as advertised. I mean, he's put together a really, really strong camp. And that's so encouraging to see with him and I, I, I'm thrilled because, like, you know, there wasn't a ton of sizzle out there with the hamstring and they took it easy and stuff like that. We kind of all, we, I think in the back of our mind, we all had that question, like, is he going to start slow? Is the hamstring going to hamstring his first season, right? Or, you know, what happened? He hit the ground running and, and was great from Jump Street. It's been great to watch. And I, I, I'm giddy about it. I'm giddy about it because, like, all of these guys – performing so well there's so many players performing well in this rookie class right now and sky Moore, don't don't forget about him there's plenty of other guys getting some sizzle right now but sky Moore, he might be he might be leading the bunch right now so far we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thigh Moore is absolutely like the lead candidate <laughs> for for exceeding expectations, right? Because we didn't hear a lot of him with the hamstring issue and not being able to. There we go. There we got some Thigh Moors in the chat. We got to get that one out there. Um, so yeah, he's definitely exceeding expectations. I we had heard from some people that got to see some of the camps. That he just he just has that. He looks different. Like when he's out there running routes, he looks different than other guys running the routes. And I can say from the little bit that I've got to see online, it, it's there. Like it's very clear to see he has a different level of burst or explosion off the line of scrimmage when he releases compared to a Juju, uh, Marquez Valdez scaling, even McColl, who I think is super explosive. It almost seems a little bit more fluid where sky more, sorry, five more. It's a little bit burstier. It's a little bit quicker and it's the shows up in his break. So he just kind of moves differently. And then you're seeing the same, the hands, the tracking ability, the competitiveness that he showed in college. Like he's kind of just checking everything that he had in college Coming up to the step up at the NFL level, it's early in camp, but I mean, like, that's got to be considered exceeding expectations. It does. It does. Maddie, who's who's your guy? <sighs> All right. So it's not a guy per se. Um, no, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> it's Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs throwing a lot more outside the numbers, back shoulder throws, and high passes to wide receivers. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot more in clips of balls that are I mean, back shoulder throws go routes down the outside or even just kind of sail routes from the outside. You're getting a lot more passes that seem to be going towards the sideline, but vertically then the chiefs will definitely throw in the regular season. It's hard to remember back entirely to last year's camp, 
but I don't remember them being so prevalent in camp. I don't remember seeing Tyree Kill, McCole Hardman, and Demarcus Robinson get so many opportunities to go win semi-contested catches outside the numbers, even in camps in the past. It seemed like they were kind of nailing down what they're going to do during the regular season. This year, that's not exactly there. It seems like there's just a little bit more of an emphasis on giving these guys a little bit of a chance to win outside the numbers. Like that's not, it's something that you would expect looking at the personnel, but given Andy Reid's history and even Patrick Mahomes' history or where he's been at his best, that's not it. So I think it's uh, not completely out of left field, but it's still more than I kind of anticipated. We saw them in red zone periods on Friday, like just running Juju, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Jody Fortson across the back of the end zone, just along the boundary there and just Patrick Mahomes just throwing it up for grabs there. And those guys are hauling it in because they're all giant dudes. I think people forget that sometimes. Like we were standing out at camp with some other KCSN folk and it was great to see them. But, you know, as you're standing out there at camp, I think one of them even said, it's like, I forget sometimes how big Juju really is. And standing next to those dudes, you're just like, yeah, man, the dude is big. And they're really capitalizing on that. They were seeing more of that so far in the red zone. So, yeah, I, I agree, Maddie. That's really good. Okay. My guy that's exceeding expectations, Joshua Williams. Uh, when we heard Joshua Williams was getting run with the ones in the nickel, mind you, in the nickel with Legereus Need kicking so, inside. So basically a starter. Outside. Yeah, basically, basically a, starter. a starter there. I mean, but he's running with the ones on the outside, on the boundary. I went, okay, let's see how he's going to handle this. He's a rookie. There's a lot to put on his plate there. Uh, that kid is up to speed. Uh, I I mean, like, again, we talked about it a little bit and how the film work has definitely got him on the field. It's translating. And he's showcasing that he's got some athletic ability. There's some stuff. Him running down the field with McColl, him chasing stuff down from the backside. He shows some range and some ability there. And he's crazy long. Like, he is a contender at the catch point. Now, he got beat up by McColl today on a route. He really did in one-on-ones. Again, it, he that he might have been the best out. route. That might have been the best route I've ever seen McColl run. And honestly. it was a great one. It really was great. Like it, it was. And he he turned Joshua Williams inside out. I'm curious to see what will happen again if he sees it again because everything that we saw throughout the course of the weekend while we were there and what we've seen in videos from Joshua Williams shows a guy that is not only growing quickly into this defense looks to be the third best corner on the field. And I could not have said that. Like, you would not have been able to convince me that two months ago that he was going to be that guy. And he certainly is. And that's not necessarily saying that the rest of these guys are bad. There was a red zone period on Saturday where that group of guys, that group of nickel guys with Nick Bolton, Willie Gay in the middle, you had Juan Thornhill, Justin Reed, Trent McDuffie, Legereus Need, and Joshua Williams locked up the chief first team offense for five straight plays. Like it was seven, eight seconds with Mahomes holding the ball. He was unable to get open. They were a blanket. And Joshua Williams was part of that. Like they're they're showing their ability to lean on these young guys. And he has stepped into that role in a big way. Length plays in the red zone like that. And like I think that's one of the things you see that those long defensive players you know, that really challenging in the red zone. One thing on Josh Williams really quick, things have not always been perfect for him, but his length still gives him a chance on some of these plays. And that's what's been so impressive. Even if he's maybe a step later than he should be, he's still contesting a lot of these plays. He's making these throws difficult on guys. And that's the benefit and value of having these kind of guys playing in your secondary. I don't want to jump out of exceeding expectations yet. I almost I, I almost went with George Karloftis as my exceeding expectations guy. Yeah, you talked it up like you were I going know. to after you walked me down from talking about <laughs> it. it when if, it we're, makes, if we're, we're and trying, now we have to go back to like 15 minutes ago to talk about. It. I just no, don't know what we're doing. Okay, yet. we're trying to. We're, I you're right. This is, maybe it's my fault. I just I was trying to hit nine. We we're trying to hit nine unique players, but I wanted to make sure we didn't end this segment without talking about George Karloftis because look, the getting to see the work ethic come into fold because the way he the way he goes about his business the effort he plays with play over play the willingness to work after practice to try to get work in uh with with veterans to try to learn and be a sponge as best as he can and the improved flexibility 
I mean, shout out Bobby Stroop because that man does look more fluid and flexible than he has in, you know, in, in some of his tape. Maddie said it, freshman tape kind of starting to come along a little bit more, but you saw him go, you know, you saw him go through the chest of Roger Johnson today. Uh, and, and that was wildly impressive. Can't wait to see him line up against Orlando Brown. But I mean, a lot of the building blocks are there. He's played very, very well so far. He's exceeding my expectations. Um, you don't, I think getting to see the manifestation of some of the intangible stuff about him actually showing up on the field has been very interesting because the work ethic plays the, the it's, it's been beautiful and enjoyable to watch. So he about uh, hit with the exceed expectations for me too. Is there anything else you wanted to add, Matthew? Sorry. I took your thunder earlier. No, no, no. We're good. I, I, I liked it when Carl, I like for Carl office when the pads came on, he, he was already looking more fluid, like a liquid. Um, he was looking better. He was looking more agile. Uh, pads came on and the same physical, like the ability to be physical was still there. He still had the same power. So clearly he's lost a little bit of weight, but he didn't return back to being relative. No, I don't want to say soft in terms of his play, but an easier target to run at. Like he was as a freshman at Purdue. Obviously makes sense. He's older. He's matured. He's gotten stronger. It's just, it's good to see that balance coming around. I think it's actually really nice. Um, We've gone through six players-ish now, like five players kind of. Um, but you guys have mentioned three rookies. Like it's been all mm -hmm. rookies coming out. Hey, you guys have been just rookies, rookies, rookies. Like that's good. Good for the Chiefs draft hall right now, I think. Oh, it's um, great. And see, here's the funny part. It's, we could have gone with Frank Clark has looked really good, guys. Like really good coming off that's of the Coach edge Clark there. to you. He, that's true. It's Coach Clark. I mean, he had a great day today. I had mentioned how he had cut alcohol and red meat out of his diet. He was feeling great. He looks it like, I mean, there, there's lots of guys that have still looked really good, you know, in all of this. Willie Gay Jr., Nick Bolton. These guys have looked really good in all this, but it's a testament to some of these guys that are exceeding expectations because they're rookies and they're stepping so far above what even some of these first-round rookies, what we expected of them. They're just impressing so much. All right, let's pivot. <laughs> we have Maddie. to. I'm just so happy right now. Like <laughs> I know, I know. And this here. isn't necessarily a bad thing. There's time. There's still lots of camp going here. But who, Maddie? We'll give it to you first. Who needs to show more in camp over the next several weeks? You know, kind of through the preseason and stuff like that. If they really want to either contribute or even make the roster. Well, I mean, let's go back to a position we spent a little bit of time on here: the defensive end spot. Uh, Joshua Kando. I haven't been at camp, so I haven't seen near as many reps as you guys have. The, when I have seen him out one, it doesn't seem like he's getting much run or rotation with the ones. Okay, that's fine. He's a day three rookie coming off of injury, you know, in his second year. It is what it is. But the few reps that I have seen out there, they haven't necessarily been the best. They haven't been highlights I'd put up there. And a couple run plays that were highlights for other players, you can see Kando getting bullied around a little bit, getting pushed around. It just seemed like there wasn't an obvious mental jump from year one to year two as of yet that I've been able to see. And I think not that he's going to be off the team necessarily, but if Kando wants to push for a little bit of playing time this year, especially now with Carlos Dunlap being signed and he doesn't want to just get some cleanup duty to give guys a break, he's got to start showing a little bit more. And with Malik Herring having a relatively impressive, not training camp now, but off season, you know, OTAs and stuff like that, there might be a little bit of competition for, you know, that fifth defensive end spot and I don't know if Kando necessarily has it locked up with the performance that he's put out there so far. So I would like to see him kind of start to build on his rookie year and start to kind of take that next step because all the athleticism in the world, you just kind of got to bring it all together at some point in time. And he might still be another year or two away. I don't know if the Chiefs have a year or two to wait on him, I guess is kind of where I end up at with him. I think Dunlap tells you what you need to know about what they expect from contributions from him this year. Not again, you know, not that, not that he won't make the roster, but I, I do think he's he's a little bit away. I, he, he's closer to the bubble than he is, you know, to rotational, solid rotational snaps right now, in my opinion. So we'll see on that one. My guy that needs to improve, and I got a couple here. I'm going to go with Josh Gordon. I'm, I'm going to go with Josh Gordon. Uh, you know, we were out there for several days. We watched Josh Gordon drop a couple passes. Um, we watched him just not look very sharp. 
one of the things that we had talked about when Justin Ross was placed on IR is that that kind of vaulted Josh Gordon back into the equation a little bit, you know, because we talked about Justin Ross not playing much special teams. Neither is Josh Gordon. So, you know, maybe there was one roster spot for one of those two guys and it made Gordon's spot a little more secure. I'm not so sure about that. Like, he just doesn't look particularly good. He's running with the twos a little bit. It's just not very crisp. It's not very clean. It's not that he looks bad. He's moving okay. It's just not, the polish doesn't seem to be there. The connection doesn't seem to be there. There's just a lot of stuff lacking in what we've seen from him so far in camp. Again, there's time. Wide receivers, we've seen them, especially at this point, pads come on, start coming alive. They really can take over and start getting back into it, especially a guy that relies on his physical ability like he does. I can definitely see that, but he seems to be a lot further down the totem pole than I maybe expected going into camp this weekend. I think you look at the chemistry with some of these guys, and I think Mahomes has more chemistry with Sky Moore already. He has more chemistry with Juju Smith-Schuster already. Uh, he has more chemistry with MVS already. Like even just like you, you just isolating chemistry specifically, just haven't seen a ton of opportunities go his way. Haven't really been overly impressed with him. I agree. Real quick, thank you all for watching right now. Please hit the like button. Please hit the subscribe button. Leave a comment. Tell us, uh, you know, who has met expectations, exceeded expectations, needs to show you more. Just, just give us some feedback on what y'all think. I'll tell you who I think needs to show me more is Ronald Jones, uh, the running back. Very quiet camp for him so far. And obviously, like for him, I think pads are pretty important because, you know, a lot of the things that they were repping out this last week aren't necessarily the strength of Ronald Jones. <laughs> Boy, did it show. Uh, as a receiver, route runner, pass pro, I mean, obviously, pass pro, you're not going to get much, much here at this point yet. Now you're going to start getting it because pads, but the same time just just very whelmed by ronald jones presence to this point on the roster um i know that he's got a little bit of home run hitting ability that's something that he had at usc there's some obvious ability between the tackles um the burst hasn't been overly you know it hasn't been sudden to me like i i don't think i've been like overly impressed by the reps we've seen him carrying the football burst explosiveness any of that kind of stuff very whelmed by by a ronald jones to this point so um, that's kind of surprising. I know I, but I think, you know, I can't, it can't be overstated, you know, that there are very real deficiencies and holes in his game <laughs> and they showed up that first week, just kind of seeing an environment that's not really friendly to his skill set. Uh, so I, I'm excited to see more pad practices here moving forward, because I think that's where we're going to get to see a lot more, hopefully of what Ronald Jones is capable of doing in this offense. And even with the pads, I don't know if training camp is the area that's necessarily going to be the best for Ronald Jones to shine out either, right? Because, yes, the pads are obviously going to help because there can be a little bit more of the run game involved, and that's where he's going to kind of shine. But it's still such a controlled environment. And a four-yard gain when you're only supposed to get two in training camp doesn't look good as a fan as we sit there and watch when a 40 yard pass is also available, right? So he's a guy that is really going to rely on his knowledge of the playbook and what he's been able to put out on film in the past. And then what the coaches are obviously seeing when we're not there or not in the meetings, it's just, he's a guy that's always going to find it hard to overshine. I think other running backs in this scenario, because it's just the way it looks just, yeah, it's just not there for him. And so I don't know, he doesn't look like a great mover when I see him right now. Uh, even, you know, we're talking about a guy that has some home run ability, doesn't look like he has home run ability the few time, few reps that I have seen him out there, but maybe that's just because things aren't there. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm a little, I'm a little out on Ronald Jones right now. We kind of got to wait and see what that one looks like. Cause I just, I, I just don't see, I haven't seen anything that we should get excited about as of yet. Not a single thing. I've seen more of Jerry on Ely to be excited about than I have Ronald Jones. Isaiah Pacheco took a grown man's job. I, I mean, <laughs> guys, I mean, look, like, I'm. I know. We're <laughs> like we just got to start, start talking about exceeding expectations, meeting ex expectations. Maybe it's just that the Chiefs stink this year, and all these rookies, like the talent pool. But like, there's just so many guys that, like, if you were looking at, you know, you're hoping that this ten man draft class has what three three hits is like huge. Mm -hmm. Four hits is is huge, right? But like, I'm gonna just go down the list. Trent McDuffie, dog. 
I can't. Don't George do Col- that anymore. George Kalaf, don't no, do that. Please dog. do it. <laughs> Sky Moore, dog. Brian Cook, talk about him in a minute. Uh, <laughs> Leo, <laughs> no, Joshua Williams. He got that dog in him. I mean, if you're right now. I think Trent McTuffie, George Galoftis, Sky Moore, all three looking fantastic. Uh, Joshua Williams looking great for a day three pick. Probably going to get some significant playing time here. Uh, Darren Kennard's had his moments. Isaiah Pacheco, I, he's making the roster. I mean, that's five. And there's that, that's five where you're just like, okay, all right, let's go. And like, there's still plenty of time for the Brian Cooks, the Leo Chanel's. Uh, maybe Jalen Watson. Nazi Johnson is very athletic, by he the is. way. That fun was, to watch. That was <laughs> very fun to watch. Uh, he's moving. And the tier one C-Bat, which is Craig's. Uh, it's there. It's noticeable. There. It's he's playing outside. They're playing him outside. He is. He is. Uh, Not playing safety. Playing outside. Okay. We got one ball. last What does here. this off the ball mean here exactly? It's not, it's not or off, off the, the Off the bubble, sorry. Listen, we're going to talk about some players. Off the maybe ball, it's, it's how we refer to linebackers not on the line of scrimmage. They play. Doesn't defense. understand linebackers. They play don't, the don't other side of the defense. ball that you. Okay, sorry. I I can see he was confused by off the ball, so I wanted to help. <laughs> off the bubble here. These are guys that so far look to have played themselves from the the roster bubble, or maybe just outside the bubble to what looks like they're inside of it. I mean, we just got done talking about Pacheco, maybe a guy there as there's lots of guys in this rookie class. I'm going to start here with a guy that I'm almost ready to put in Sharpie on this roster. And that's Darius Fountain. Um, Darius Fountain was getting run with the ones in red zone work. Darius Fountain was a first team gunner. Darius Fountain was on every special teams rep that there was there short of the field goal. Not not the block. He was on that, but the field goal protection team. So, like, that's a guy that Dave Tobe has already looked at and identified as a guy that he wants on the roster. And then on top of that, he's getting reps with the ones in red zone. Like, that's a guy that Andy Reid is trusting with these reps, is giving him those reps to say, okay, listen, if we're building out this roster right now, Dave likes this guy. I got to see if I can integrate him into the roster into the 53 we've seen him do it with lots of guys in the past like this marcus kemp comes to mind for certain Darius fountain is on that track right this very moment i'm putting his name in sharpie in that wide receiver room and i would i mean i don't think that any of us would have looked at him and said hey man i think that he's got a really good shot at making this roster through one weekend and again there's lots of time left but through one weekend man I, i'm ready to write him in and I think for me, the thought was Justin Ross, Josh Gordon, Corey Coleman. There's enough wide receiver potential there that they're going to earn a spot. And then it was Fountain versus Justin Watson for that final special teams wide receiver role. And th- I mean, that was fine. It's fine to say Fountain should be the favorite there because he was here. But Watson was getting some buzz, has made some plays as a receiver. But now, like, when you remove Justin Ross being on the pup list and Cornell Powell at this point hasn't done much, Corey Coleman hasn't done much, Josh Gordon somehow done less than them, now there's two wide receiver spots kind of up for grabs. So yeah, I mean, I would agree he's got to be off the bubble for not just like logistic purposes of where he plays, but also like who's been a better receiver than him as well. So like, yeah, I think he put him in there. For me, I'm going to go with the main, I guess he was on the bubble because I think he was kind of lost, especially with the way the Chiefs drafted. DiCaprio Boodle. Um, getting a lot of second team nickel reps. That's big. Here's a guy that played corner at Nebraska, uh, played a little bit of safety actually at Nebraska too. When their free safety got hurt, they're like, Hey, you, you are playing quarters on this side. Every time I get to Ohio state, now you go play free safety because we have nobody else. Um, (laughs) then he comes to the chiefs. He plays a little safety last year during camp in the preseason, but you know, they don't find a home. And then the chiefs go out and they sign draft like 800 defensive backs. You don't know where this undrafted free agent's going to be. Then all of a sudden, they come out, and Legereus Steed has to go out just for you know a minor little injury briefly. Who steps in right away? DiCaprio Boodle. Like they kind of found where they think his home is going to be as that backup nickel player. You're not getting Trent McDuffie getting those reps. You're not getting any but Nazee Johnson's playing in that same area, if I'm not mistaken. But he's not getting those reps ahead of Boodle. So like he's the guy that's getting those spots. That's a guy that's now I think you've moved from 
on the bubble because we don't know where to play you. We like you as a talent, but where do we play you to now? He has a very specific position that has a role on this team. If anything happens to Snead, he's their next slot guy. You could almost, at this point, it's early, but you can make an argument if they want to go into, you know, seven defensive backs, maybe he plays in the slot opposite of Legereus Snead. Like there is a potential for him to get on the field just as a second slot defender the way they are breaking down the reps right now. So he's taking himself from a man without any position at all, thus putting him on the bubble to he might be safe in this 10 defensive back line, you know, roster that we're going to see. They're going to keep 10. He seems pretty safe, even though he might be the 10th guy in. He just seems safe because he has a position kind of locked up. Trent McDuffie is getting reps in the slot behind Boodle, to put that in perspective. So, I mean, like with the with the threes and the fours, and that's a guy that we weren't sure if he was going to play inside, outside. They like what they're seeing out of Boodle right now. Obviously, they believe that Trent can do it, but Boodle's one of those guys that's been in the system. Like, they were running a lot of that in the slot drop cover two, the two robber, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> it didn't look, it didn't, we were talking, it didn't look it did, great. It didn't look great. The safeties, <laughs> the safeties were like right up on each other. Like they were like, <laughs> they weren't getting any width whatsoever. They were really struggling with, with the spacing on that stuff. Um, all right. So I'm going to stay in the secondary. I'm going to stay. I'm going to say a guy that I think is on the bubble now, Lonnie Johnson. I think you're on the bubble, uh, early indications and early, early eyes on Lonnie Johnson. He's kind of underwhelming. Uh, I, he looks a little bit lost. Maybe it's just a little matter of getting acclimated out there. doesn't look as comfortable playing out there. And maybe again, it's been a little bit of time since he's been a, you know, a cornerback again, but he doesn't look as comfortable. He doesn't look as confident playing out there. I know. I think he looks like athletically he's fine. I mean, I, I think, I don't think the athleticism is necessarily the issue right now. It's just, boy, I feel like it's a learning curve for him to kind of get back up to speed with all this stuff. And um, I mean, you see what Joshua Williams, Joshua Williams has just flat out played him to this point. The rookie is outplayed him. The, the Fayetteville state uh, alumni, you know, a division two player that's, you know, seven months out of playing you know division two football has outplayed him uh to this point so lonnie johnson's a guy i don't know i i think he might be i think i think he might be on the bubble at this point because for at least for what i've seen i have not been impressed i mean uh, yeah i mean athletically he looks fine he's giant he's a giant to him and brian cook stand next to each other and you're like all right there's our linebackers oh wait there are safeties uh you know it's you look at those guys they're they're big but yeah, it just doesn't seem to be clicking. I thought he might be the guy that jumped in immediately. Like, uh, you know, he's got enough experience in the league. They like he's very spagsy in, in the way that he plays, you know, that kind of press guy with that length and stuff like that. But yeah, he's not been the guy and he's not exactly impressed against the twos. You know, he's he's seeing some of the some of the second team competition there and it hasn't been as impressive as a guy like Joshua Williams has been against these chief starters that we've just been praising relentlessly. So it is one of those things you look at Lonnie and you think, Oh man, like I thought that I thought that, you know, they liked him so much. I thought maybe there was going to be something there. We'll see. We'll see though. Um, Before we get out of here, I, I've been watching chat. There's been some names that have popped up that we haven't talked about. So I'm just going to ask yeah. you guys, cause you Let's were there it. for rapid reactions on these players. Craig, Juan Thornhill, what has been your early take? Dog. I mean, uh, he's he's okay. Uh, none of the safeties have looked particularly good. That doesn't mean that they're bad. It's just camp is so tough to really evaluate safeties, especially like especially when you're talking about anything but one-on-ones. Juan has been a guy that's been directing a lot of traffic. He's been taking a lot of ownership of the defense. So I I, I think you'll get there. It's just none of them have looked particularly good as it stands right now well follow that up with brian cook kent uh big uh he he looks he looks uh, huge he, he's huge he just looks kind of like a i don't know big fish dog out of, fish out of the water is not the right word but he definitely does have a, a a big learning curve ahead of him and i still think he's thinking a lot right now um but the size is undeniable and and if you can get him kind of caught up to speed um, I don't, you know, movement skills. I'm not overly impressed with the movement skills either. I mean, he's a little bit rigid, a little bit stiff. Um, it it uh, looks you, like he's he's reading out, like you said. It looks like he's thinking too much and not not just letting his natural gifts play. Yeah, it could be a little bit of that. And 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 as time, you know, give him more time. I mean, the physical traits. There, there's 
there's there's plenty to like this week will be interesting for him because it's it's hitting time and he's mm-hmm. such a sure tackler you know that's a that's a guy that yeah uh i'm i'm i'm, I'm looking forward to seeing like it, it we have got a lot of buzz about brian cook but like he's another guy that like i mean he's gonna he, i think he's gonna have a role in this this defense in this team for the next four years he's in the dime He's in a dime, and he aggressively gets downhill. He just can't finish the play because they can't hit yet. <laughs> okay, so when they go to dime, where what's the rotation? Where is he playing? Where who's stepping down? What do we got? Uh, Justin Reed stepping down into the box yeah. next to Nick Bolton as the dime linebacker, and you've got Cook and Juan Thornhill deep. And you got Josh Williams, Trent McDuffie on the outside with Legarius Need on the inside. We didn't get to see much of the defensive line rotation in the dime. Mike Dana played a lot on the interior while we were there so i don't know if that's one of those i, I didn't see a lot of that before we got there well, obviously they slimmer. signed carlos well, Dun- dunlap since then move. so maybe spags is just working that <laughs> package a little yeah. more all right um we're sticking with craig here because this is this is his favorite position leo chanel what, what's our early early vibe on leo chanel second string sam linebacker will linebacker i'm not sure which side He's rotating with Elijah Lee in that kind of position opposite of Willie Gay Jr. Um, He looks okay. Uh, Another guy that looks like he's having to think a whole lot, get the scheme down a lot. Obviously, the man wants to just hit and decimate everybody and no pads until today. So that's one of those positions like I'll give him a little grace on that because some of the stuff that that you expect out of him, get downhill, fill against the run, hit blitz like we're not doing any of that stuff yet so like him and coverage is just kind of it's okay all right final one this is for kent and we're gonna focus on the side of the ball that he knows exists um who what's the tight end depth chart gonna look like just give me the tight end depth chart based on what you've seen so far this is loaded because i think they're five deep kent five no they're not five deep. They are five deep. Matt Bushman isn't making. Put this some respect team. on Matt Bushman's name. Uh, give me honestly, like it's, I, I, the the roster construction of the group's interesting because like I think it's probably right now it's Kelsey Fortson, Blake, Noah, but I could see them like like I don't think they want to keep Blake almost. <laughs> Michael, are we sure Michael Burton's staying on this roster? Yes. Yes. 1,000%. No, 110%. Okay. Clyde's hand, his hand, his his catch percentage, 1,010%. That's what he said in the presser the other day. Have you watched the Chiefs on a single third and short or fourth and short? Hey, See, my man's trying look, to get rid of Blake Bell and Michael ran, Burton, the two short yardage opportunists in the ran, Chiefs roster. They ran the same fullback lead uh, or fullback dive like 12 of the 13 times that they lined up on sh- on short yardage situations. How many times did it fail? And it, it worked 12 it, of 13 yeah. times. <laughs> yeah. And then they finally threw it network too. Um, yeah, that's probably my tight end rotation for now. I, it's going to be weird. Uh, Noah is getting a lot of zone insert looks. A Noah's lot getting a lot of, of looks with the ones. Yes. They want Noah so, to make this football team, it feels like. And they, I mean, Jordy's making the team. I don't like Blake, but are they keeping four? I wouldn't be yes. stunned if they kept five receivers and I mean, three running backs. We'll see. I mean, it's the roster crunches are going to be wild this year. Mm-hmm. Maybe they try to get cute at offensive line and keep nine. Like they might still have to. I mean, this is it's it's insane, oh, man. This is the best question yet. This is this is from our guy Eddie High, who's out at camp every single day, bringing you guys these amazing highlight videos that you were seeing on the KCSN channel. How many players are enrolled at the Frank Clark Pass Rush Academy by the final day of camp? This is the, in case no one's following. Frank Clark's out there. It started with just him and George Karloftis going through some moves. Then a few more guys got added and more added. Like today, it seemed like the entire defensive end room was out there with Frank as he was teaching them how to do things. So, what do we think? The final day of camp, how many people start skipping camp and how many people show up? It, it's going to be 29. Um, but James Winchester is going to surprisingly be the best one at it. <laughs> the rotation is going to be deep this year. Is Tucker gonna weasel his way in there? No, Tucker did. did. Tucker hit the pad. 
<laughs> I did. That's what I'm is his is his next step just to be to slide on into Frank Clark's pass rush class? I mean, Frank we might let him. Frank might. <laughs> he might. And I mean, there's enough promise. I mean, there. he'll think it's Creed Humphrey. So exactly, Ooh. little Creed. <laughs> That's gonna do it for the Casey Laboratory. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll catch you later. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.